Remember that guy? Remember that guy we used to have that would just do bits? He's dead still, right? Did we decide I, that? Yeah, I killed him off because we had it. so. So there used to be a guy. I don't know if you remember this. How yeah. long you've been listening to the show? But there used to be a guy who existed who would talk over, talk, introduce us like fanfare, like a pretentious like guy, like pretentious, pretentious British guy, and, and then he started to like. It started to turn poorly for him. Like he's <laughs> like his wife died and oh, stuff no. like that. And he was just an MC and then he like started to get into men's right activism and yeah, stuff he was a like Scientologist, that. And the whole, the whole build up was that uh we also had this thing, a radio play that we do on Small Beans or we used to do uh called Bean Town, where we would just have sketches and one of them got very meta and in the course of that episode he died. And then in this show, he just never appeared again. Oh, so wow. we have. So you stupid, murdered him, technically. We murdered. We yeah, killed him off in right. a different show. Yeah, uh, and is... so he no longer exists. It's a stupid. Why would you do that on your podcast? <laughs> I don't know. This is our confession. <laughs> this is. Uh, we need help, and yeah. if you have help, yeah. uh, please send it our way. We we murdered him as pointlessly as uh, Jack Devlin murders uh, his accomplice in the net. Did you see how I did it, Abe? That was that. a nice, nice Thank transition. You. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're pros. Oh. Did you not like Here's it, Abe? Thing, Adam. <laughs> yeah, I do. And Go I ahead, also Abe. wanted to. I wanted to add that yeah. uh, when I'm feeling like the day is really taking it out of me, okay, and I just want some time, me time, you yeah. know. Yeah. You know what I do? I put on some sexy romantic music and sure I pull up do. my favorite website, pizza.net. Pizza.net. <laughs> and yeah. I say first thing, I say hello to it. I really need to know what that music is. <laughs> I, it's so sexy. It and was then very I, alluring. Yeah. 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 What is your music, Abe? Though, like when you're doing this, what is that? It's identical music to the <laughs> film The Net. It's just uh, the soundtrack to The Net. It's the soundtrack to The Net. Yeah. And then I turn on my After Dark Windows 95 fireplace yeah. screen server. <laughs> yeah. And, and just unwind. You know what I mean? Do you eat M and M's out of a huge mug? It's so weird. She put them in a everything mug. Everything is weird. She it put really, them in a mug. It also really disturbed me that she has her own name spelled out in magnets on her fridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just she's, real She's weird. Yeah, she's a weirdo. And I think that's supposed to be how we feel, but I don't think we feel it the way the film wants us to feel it. Right. Anyway, hi, guys. This is Director uh, Peace yeah. Theater. <laughs> Enough of this nonsense. Yeah. I'm Abe Epperson. I'm Adam Ganser. And we have a special guest today. Uh, we wanted to invite fellow director on the podcast. We've been wanting to do so for a long time. Uh, introduce yourself, guest. Hi, I'm Jessica Ellis, and I'm I'm very excited to be here with you guys. I've been a fan of the podcast forever, and of you guys for even longer than that. So I'm super excited. Thank you so much for being here. We're so happy that you're here. Uh, we're like we're basically Twitter pals turned to real life pals. Yeah, uh, like we're the good thing that happened from Twitter, <laughs> right? Like we're why it should continue. No, <laughs> right? Uh -huh. uh, anyway, it's, it's it's a balancing act at this point. You, yeah. I, I'm not sure whether the good outweighs the bad. Oh, anymore. I was I was literally on a I was on one with Dave the other night, friends. I was on one where I was like, Dave, if you just add it up, uh, everything about social media is net negative, bro. <laughs> like I was really like on a whole thing about it, and it didn't have to do with the net, although it could have. Which, by the way, if you haven't guessed, is the film we're talking about today on this podcast. <laughs> yes, the net. Yeah. 1995's The Net. How many times have you seen it, Abe? Uh, I've probably seen it like three or four times at this point. Yeah. Jessica, um, 
How many times? Uh, last night was my very first time, and it Ooh. was delightful. Oh, did you really like it, or was it like haha? Like I mean, it, it's ridiculous. Like it actually kind of works as a thriller. It's yeah. just like there, there are so many bizarre choices in it. It it's overwhelming how many ridiculous, weird things happen for no reason in that yeah. that film. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's horseshit. <laughs> uh, it's it's a ridiculous film. Uh, I can remember though seeing it in the theater and being scared. <laughs> I remember that. Like everyone who watched it in the theater was like, "Man, we're in for some shit. Like this is gonna be real, man." That is the the, the vibe in 1995 from the net. Uh, and now, of course, it's utterly absurd. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit about it uh, as a as a film, but also as kind of a cultural touchstone. Uh, but I think it's safe to say we all agree that. Uh, it's stupid now, right? Like it's like completely stupid, right? Nobody here's defending it, right? Well, it's silly nonsense where they 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 try to make the typers uh, suspenseful, and I don't know if that's how it quite works. Uh, <laughs> I think I think we we've tried to break into this uh, genre many times before. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Is it Scorpion? What's the meme? Does anyone know the meme I'm talking about? Where Not it's quite. like. The show Scorpion, where it's at one point they need to hack harder, so a second person joins the first person on the keyboard. (laughs) Like, they're typing in tandem on one keyboard. It's the greatest uh, moment of television history, and uh, this is where it kind of started, in a way. In a weird way. I have a feeling there's going to be a version of the net that's for AI, like that's coming. You know what I mean? Because we're kind of at a. It feels like we're a little at a little bit of a crossroads with AI culturally right now, and like uh, there's a lot of uh, speculative fear. And I just hope somebody makes the the document that encapsulates like how we felt about that fear now, so that I we can laugh at like, it in twenty years, right? Yeah. I feel like all of this is Johnny Mnemonic uh, erasure. Frankly, <laughs> fair enough. Fair. That's a great movie. That movie mm-hmm. has has aged better than a lot of its contemporaries when it comes to computer shit, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. So, like, if you haven't seen it, uh, what you need to know about the net is it, it's got amazing plot holes in it. Uh, like, in nobody in the world of the net has ever seen a paper document. Uh, there's no such thing as. <laughs> As like paper backups, and let me tell you, as a person who worked in a court, definitely not true. Uh, also, like you know, nobody has local cybersecurity. Like before the government or whatever agency created this cybersecurity threat, nobody had an IT guy who was like, "Well, we better make sure nobody can hack this at any place in the country <laughs> until 1995," according to this movie. So it's real dumb. Um, it's real dumb, and I would say. It sort of cap- capitalizes on the idea that we all felt that personal data was sort of like sitting around on the internet for someone to take, like it's uh, like like the internet was a bank and anyone could just heist it, you know, and uh, make it whatever they wanted. Like that's the conceit of this film, and uh, you know that isn't true. Uh, but I think you put all that stuff aside, and you realize that. Uh, this captures a moment where we didn't really know how it worked. You know, like we weren't familiar enough with cybersecurity and also just computers to understand the reality of the threat they faced. And this movie is 100% capitalizing on a legitimate cultural fear. How do I know this? 
because believe it or not, this movie was a massive success, a massive success. It was a twenty-two million dollar budget. They made a hundred and ten box box office worldwide, Ooh, yeah. and they made a spinoff television show from this show. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, they did. Uh, How long did that last? One season. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. not good. Uh, not good. But that tells you, like, somebody thought, "Wow, this is like a big hit." Uh, and I can tell you again, this is like anecdotal, so take it for what it's worth. But like, people walked out of the theater feeling like scared about their computer after this. You know, like there was a percentage of people that that felt that way about it. Um, the reason I'm curious about it as a film and why we want to talk about it in director piece theater is that it's actually kind of a great milestone for how we represent uh, the cinematic language of computers in movies. Like, how do we do computers, and how do we show them? Um, And to talk about that, I kind of have to set up a few, like, just basic caveats. Um, The most important of which is that uh, the net is not the first movie to put a computer interface in it. So, like, it didn't invent a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about today. But it's kind of a great, like, amalgamation. Like, it's uh, it's sort of collected and then sort of I'll say put put in a in a memorable cinematic fashion the language of computers that we sort of still draw on in some ways today, um, and some of it, of course, is hilariously outdated. And uh, I will try to distinguish between them. And uh, I think the next caveat is that um, the Ned is fundamentally not subtle. Nothing about this film is subtle. Uh, it's not. It's not a thoughtful movie. Like I would say, the year nineteen ninety five, Heat came out that year, and it's more subtle than this movie. Is that too outrageous of a claim? I would say it is more yes, subtle. I think. I think. I think you're wrong. <laughs> you don't think Heat's wow. more subtle? Oh, I think it's I way think more heat, subtle. Uh, yeah, I think Heat is one of the least subtle movies ever. Like with like the communication with looks and stuff. Like just look, I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) I think you do. I mean, like, there's an argument for either side. I'm just I'm being contentious, but also like as is your right. Yeah, but I mean, this is like this kind of feels like the game. It feels like a lot of things we've seen before. It's schlocky like, like the game. Yes. Yeah, but like it's it's got this kind of like what like mystery about it that like yeah I guess that that doesn't necessarily imply subtlety but like I don't know it's it's fine for what it is I guess it's, I should use another term it isn't subtle no it's definitely sure. not subtle it's more schlocky and less grounded really than a lot of the big movies of that year uh, mm. even a lot of the big thrillers of that year uh, and I would include Heat in that I think Heat is more grounded movie than that in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. just, you know, if you haven't watched it, the movie begins with, I think my favorite movie, Suicide, uh, <laughs> where like an undersecretary of defense, uh, makes a few last arrangements, including like making sure his son is mm-hmm. like participating in school and then mm-hmm. like shoots himself in the mouth in a park and the camera pans up from that suicide to like the most r- ridiculous statue ever, uh, of like a drowning God in this like grass grassy knoll i'm sure it's famous i don't know the name of it like out into the 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 docks and it's like oh i get it we're real sad (laughs) it's a real sad world i get it uh lots of melodrama i was immediately uh... perplexed by the fact that he had eaten an apple before killing himself like there's a completely eaten (laughs) apple apple on the the table (laughs) with him and i'm like so he sat down ate an apple, called his wife, and then yeah. killed himself? Like, yeah, that's, that's a weird guy. I want a movie about that out. guy. By the way, do you know who that actor is? I'm, I mean, I'm ready I don't for know you to tell actors. me. 
I don't know who the actor's name is, but you recognize him from he's in Thirty Rock, and he plays the uh, oh the boss, the happy the, boss, the bo- the boss of Cable. Yeah, Town. yeah, yeah, yeah. The huggy guy. Yeah. We we're huggers here. Yeah, he's, that guy. Exactly. Oh, which wow. is weird because this is not the first time he's come up in a podcast. In the last week that I've been recording, he's haunting. He, yeah, I didn't know what he's I recognized haunting. him from, but he's definitely one of those character actors that's in yeah, everything. He's in a lot of stuff. He's yeah, he's but... haunting you, Abe. Uh, that's what's happening. Yeah, I, he's I haunting think, you. I think I'm gonna <laughs> I, I'm gonna have to eat an apple real soon if you know what I'm yeah, saying. The guy thinks he has like at that time a death sentence, right? Like that's what he thinks. He's like, okay, better eat an apple and I get guess. my son properly disciplined, <laughs> and then I'll kill myself. Uh, he didn't even discipline his son. He like actually just he kind of negotiated. Him he bribed the... him. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Him. He skirt... That's right. He didn't teach the kid anything. He just like basically <laughs> the equivalent of swept it under the rug. He did. He also he also didn't. That house decided not to choose between Sega and Nintendo. A thing I I, I definitely appreciated. He's like, you know, you do one hour of work, you get two hours of Sega and Nintendo time. And I'm like, oh, so you have both? I get it, bro. Yeah, You're rich. What kind of rich kid is this? <laughs> well, and like the last thing he tells his son is to lie to his mother about their deal. So like this, mm-hmm. that that's going to haunt that child his entire life. That's right. <laughs> his entire yeah. Life. Well, I think his son will know to follow, to follow in his father's example. Lie until you can't get away with it anymore. And then and find a park and an apple. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, you, so, you know, the net, not subtle. Uh, also, the net is fundamentally a conservative movie. And I mean that, like, uh, I guess not necessarily politically, though, maybe a little politically. Dennis Miller is in this. Uh, yeah. But, like, just its outlook in general, it's 100% technophobic, right? Like, like I don't think they think that computers are a social good at all. Uh, this does not improve anyone's day. Yeah, right. Like it's definitely technophobic, and uh, I think even our hero, who is a person who understands computers and works with them, is also negatively impacted by them and has negative views of the current technology. And that's, of course, Sandra Bullock's Angela. Uh, our, when we meet her, she's like debugging some virus from some, for some company. And it's over the game Wolfenstein. I think she immediately judges. Mm. She plays like five minutes of Wolfenstein. She's like, you know, this is pretty violent. Uh, and like, you know, that's kind of the tone of this film in general. Is like, man, these computers. What? What? Kind of like you on your other podcast, huh? A little bit. Yes. Yeah. Just, just immediately jumps to uh, just plays five minutes of a game and just. Says whatever they think comes to their mind. Uh, I appreciate you taking this chance to undermine uh, me. <laughs> Thank, yes. you. Thank you, Abe. Uh, I'm, I'm no, sorry. No, please leave this in so people can see the truth. Uh, please leave this in. Uh, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> no, fine, man. So uh, I want to mention, and I again, I'm not, I'm not trying to be ageist when I say this. I'm just trying to kind of acknowledge facts about this. So when I say that it's technophobic, I think the other thing we need to know is the director of this film is Erwin Winkler, who at the time is 60 years old, like 64, I believe, yeah. right? And this is his third film as a director. Okay, now he produced a ton of movies you've heard of. Like he was a big time producer, um, like including Rocky, The Right Stuff, Round Midnight, Raging Bull, Goodfellas. Like, you know, and the list goes, that's even just like a highlight reel. Like he's done so many films you've heard of. Um, so he was a big name in Hollywood, right? He's mm. extremely successful. Before he was a producer, he started out as and an agent net. at uh, William Morris. 
right? So like uh -huh. he's definitely an institutionalist type of person. And it's just fascinating to me that here he is making his third film as a director, because I guess at some point he decided he wanted to try that. Great. And that film is about the threat that computers pose and like the internet poses to the everyday person, right? And uh, I just think it's interesting for a person to be at this point in his career and make that film. Um, right. But to counterpoint that, he definitely has a great eye for story. I mean, look at that list of films, right? Like that's a guy who understands us, like what stories matter, you know, or at least he has a good, like he has good taste in who he's partnering with, if nothing else, you know, he's he really good it. at that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the net is being fundamentally made by somebody who, if they were encountering these things for the first time, would find them intimidating and scary, right? I know that's sort of like an old joke. But like it kind of does matter when you think about the point of view that the net has on specifically the internet and to a degree computers writ large. Um, so I really like the idea that this is like, like we're t entirely wrong about this. And Winkler was playing Wolfenstein and being like, "These graphics are fucked." <laughs> you know. Like <laughs> He's like, man, I can't wait to get 3D rendering the way it's Jesus meant to be seen. Christ. Yeah, <laughs> 60 frames a second. I'm going to kill these Nazis. Holy 60K, shit. 64K memory. What is this? <laughs> Give me a Slow graphics card. shit. Give me a better graphics card. Uh, right. I would love if he said any of those words, uh, which, by the way, completely possible. I did not research, like, what does he think about computers to do this podcast. So I like, think it's pretty clear, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, he, de he definitely seems nervous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and maybe... <laughs> Nervous is a great term for it. Yeah. <laughs> like well, that's what the, the movie is basically an anxiety attack. Like, it's, yeah. it's someone mm -hmm. hearing about the internet and then catastrophizing it to right. the worst possible level. That's right. Mm. And what's interesting is, I would say this is probably the last time in movies, at least, that the audience might share that trepidation about this issue. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he 95, kind of... Yeah. This is kind of an interesting intersection because... Home, like personal computers were not everywhere yet, and the internet was not an everyday usage thing for most people yet, so it was still kind of hypothetical, right? And it wasn't like in a grand eyes, like kind of like what we did to aliens, you know, right. like with things like ET or the day the earth stood still, but like with computers, it was like Tron, you know, it was like this magical land that you can That's right. go to in the computer. That's right. This is like, oh no, computers are real and we're doing the like interface. It's funny that you say that. You're sitting at a typer. You know? I think that's actually a really great point that I want to return to because like your Tron is a kind of visualization of what the internet and computers could be. You're right about that. Um, and it represents uh, a, a phenomenon that this movie is capitalizing on in a more clever way, uh, which is like visualizing things that shouldn't be visualized with computers. And we'll talk about that later, but hang on to that point. Cause it's really good. Um, I think this movie also, by the way, in assumes that the audience does not know how this stuff works, right? Like, and like on a fundamental level, doesn't really understand how the internet works. Doesn't really understand, uh, what is possible for people behind the scenes versus what isn't uh, doesn't even necessarily understand what chat rooms are or uh, you know, how, <laughs> how the internet is connected or how you can order things from the internet. None of that stuff is commonplace enough that the movie feels like they can take it for granted. Right. And so, yeah, 
I mean, the movie falls apart the minute you know anything about right. how computers work. So it, it right. does have to rely on that. It does. And yet I think it says something that it was, at least for a brief period of time, successful. Right. And it's also interesting to watch as a like, you know, as a writer and sc- a screenwriter and director, like what we all are here. Like, it's interesting to see how much exposition the film felt like it needed to do about basic computer operations in 1995. Right. Like what a chat room is, what search engines are, what copying and deleting files means. Right. And like <laughs> this, we're going to talk about this a bunch of times, but like the number of things that we've decided have to be done out loud auditorially so that we all can follow it. Uh, is hilarious uh, and probably my favorite reason to go back and rewatch this film for those of you who are going to do that. (laughs) Like, go watch how much people are saying out loud. It's wonderful. Um, So the reason that this is special, this is my my allegation for this episode, is that um, it decided that it was going to build its plot and a lot of its cinematic beats around computers um, when most people did not currently have them. And uh, computers present a pretty significant problem for movies. Um, They are not fundamentally designed to be cinematic because they're mostly functional, right? And what I mean by that is that uh, when you're operating even today, like your phone or your tablet or whatever, uh, you expect that that whatever thing that you touch, whatever button you click, that you're going to get an instant rewarding uh, result from that action. Right, like it's gonna, you're gonna click mm. a button, the thing happens, right? Um, and fundamentally, this when you do something with a computer, you have no what you'll call waiting, no tension, right? Because tension is uh, when you, as an audience member, are wa- are waiting for a result, and you're afraid you're not going to get the thing that you want, right? You have a hope, but you're afraid that hope won't happen. And computers are fundamentally designed to eliminate tension. Right. Like a great the best thing a computer can be is a thing that allows you not to wait at all. Everything that you do that you ask the computer to do, it does it instantaneously. Right. So this film is trying to find ways to create more tension in a computer interface, which, again, is antithetical to how they're designed. Right. Now, uh, we're going to talk about the ways that it does this. But in general, computers and software uh, though they do some amount of animation to create a satisfaction feeling, uh, are continuing on the trend of eliminating tension as much as possible, right? Every single device you own is eliminating eliminating the feeling of tension as much as possible. And yeah. movies yeah. operate on tension. It's as simple as that. So how then does the filmmaker create uh, story experiences out of what are fundamentally flat and presentational images. Okay, so I, again, I want to just repeat, none of this is new to the net. The net didn't invent it, uh, but they've combined it in a way that I think makes a sort of memorable landmark uh, combination of these factors uh, and also that are fun as an artifact for how to examine how our culture felt about computers back in the day, right? So the first thing, and it's easily the most important thing, and it's the thing we pay the least attention to, is the soundscape. Okay? And what I mean by that is, Uh, what are we hearing? What are we hearing in this movie? Okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of the computer interactivity uh, in life has no sound to it. Right? Like, like right. you when you click a button or whatever, there's no sound. And if you're one of those monsters who's leaving the sounds on in your phone, uh, stop. You're the worst. Please stop doing that. 
you know, uh, like, so like even phones and stuff, which create those sort of cute chiming sounds or your Nintendo switch, which creates those things. We're all, we've all learned over time to eliminate the soundscape because it creates, uh, it draws attention to itself. A thing that we don't want. We just want computers to be fundamentally a facilitator, not a, not a, a seminal experience. Right. So the net, not a single thing happens on the computer that does not have a sound. Okay, everything has a sound, and none of them are cute. <laughs> like, all of them are a bummer or, like, ominous or uh, just <clears throat> off-putting in some way. I think at one point there's, a, uh, there's like, a mouse move, and it's got, like, a whoosh yeah, attack. He adds whooshes <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Well, and just the amount of, like, voice voiceover they're doing for all the chat room stuff, everybody is talking out loud yes, and you're perfect. hearing it in different voices and like i was thinking we did not have that in 1995 that's perfect. that was not mm-hmm. happening you're it's that's a great observation because we're going to talk about it in a second you're 100 right so like uh again the net is drawing on things that exist but distorting them for the purposes of creating tension right so like if you were to look up the sounds for like windows 95 which was out around this time you'll hear some like some very basic whooshes and chimes and stuff but uh, you'll never hear anything with the amount of distortion or echoing or reverberance or uh, sort of off uh, note sounding clicks and stuff that exists in the net ever. Um, also, whenever we get hacking at all, like any kind of hacking, there's like really deep whooshes. We're getting swept up somewhere. There's like just straight up electronic distortion sounds, like almost right. like your microphone yeah. or, or your modem were not working correctly. You know, right. The sounds are usually pleasant. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's what computers are yeah. doing to make it feel like you're like it's happening fast enough for you. <laughs> right. Mm. Uh, they they even have like dumb sci fi sound effects that like if you just took the sound effect out and didn't watch the movie, you'd be like, that's in this fucking movie. Get out of here. Uh, they're really stupid. Right. So what that means is that we're establishing early on that the tone of the machine um, or fundamentally an action connected to the machine is musical. There's a music to it, right? And that that musicality is actually a characterization. Think of it in the way that like when you watch an old Looney Tunes cartoon, right? Every single thing Bugs Bunny does is there's score to it, right? When he walks around or tiptoes, there's a song for that. When he's running from far to near, there's a song for that, right? Everything has a kind of musicality to it. And from that, we get really clear emotions about what to think about what is happening, okay? Because Looney Tunes is the best at this. So that's basically what he's doing with all the computer stuff here by adding sounds. He's creating a kind of coloring to the computer actions that form emotional impressions of what is happening and or how we should feel about the internet writ large. And it creates a kind of... um, what you might describe as an emotional ambiguity at times, meaning like, I don't know how I feel about this, which again, tension. Right, that's not a feeling that you should have when you're dealing with a computer. You should feel comfortable at a computer. That's why it winks at you basically with its soundscape. Right? This is like, right. no, no, no. Right. Computers suck. <laughs> they might suck. You don't know, bro. Uh, are you sure you want to click on? What that? is? What are you up to, box? <laughs> exactly. What is your deal? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it is very ominous. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and I would argue that like uh, the film on a fundamental level, and the soundscape shows this the clearest. Uh, is telling you, you don't necessarily have to understand what the action is, meaning you don't have to understand exactly what's happening on the computer, but you do have to know how you feel about it, 
right? And the soundscape is the mm. clearest way that it communicates that. Um, not the only way, but the clearest one. Um, so this is the thing that Jessica said, and you were right on, and I appreciate you bringing it up. So the most fun, like I think the fundamentally funniest thing that the filmmaker did is when she's in chat rooms, at least the first time, uh, they have the people in the chat room actually talking out loud uh, with these voices that sound like they're terrorists. Right, like the the voices are (laughs) stupid. No one would ever be voiced that way if they wanted to be a human being, you know. Or like, if you're like trying to connect to a person who's your friend on a chat room, and you're like, "I'm gonna have it read out loud." Why would you make it sound like they're the guy from Scream or something? You know, Uh, it's unreal. And that's another way of sort of characterizing that these people are not to be trusted. Right, they're not to be trusted because, again, at that time, there was a hundred thousand voices you could pick that would have felt like they were computer voices that would not sound ominous. What if she just picked Speak and Spell? You know, like that would have been less emotionally right. coloring than what they did. I mean, it's getting ahead of the catfish. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's like basically that's the fear here. That's what they, and that's why they choose an ominous voice or a like an unfeeling voice. Right. That's right. So you can project whatever's going on in the movie and whatever's going on in the movie is constant anxiety and fear. Um, Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and like, uh, basically that's all set up so that later on we can like have this tense moment with who is Cyber Bob really. Uh, Mm. But even like the the emoticons, which we'll get to in a minute, themselves are like not the warmest, you know, like they're kind of off-putting in a creepy way. And it's like just not how you would, that's not how you would characterize yourself if you could pick from a list of emojis. You know, like, mm. you know, it's it's like somebody picked the horror version of what they should be, uh, but did it in what we'll call a subtle way. It's not subtle, but that's the idea. Did anyone watch the emoji movie? Oh, no. my God. Did you? No. No. Okay. But I think I will now. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's see what they've done. Carry on. Let's, that's just... <laughs> A thought. <laughs> Abe, double feature, that film and Angry Birds. Let's just get them in our and system. Angry... <laughs> oh, yeah, Angry Birds. Yeah. 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 They have a lot to thank the net yeah. for. Angry Birds is brought to you sense. by the net historically. That's just fact. <laughs> uh, okay, so like when we're not getting distorted terrorist uh, monologues from this chat group, the other way that we sort of, I guess, audio-ify the chat rooms is that Sandra Bullock is just reading everything they say out loud to us because Sandra yeah. Bullock yep. says every single word she types basically in this movie mm. out loud. Right. It's the old cinema adage. Tell don't show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like, we're watching her type it too. It's like, it's not like we're not seeing the words. We're definitely seeing them, but I just think it, it sort of betrays this older, sensibility which sort of says that uh you have to hear it out loud to really retain it and by the way this is not unique to the net there are lots and lots of movies that were doing this at that time here's an example jurassic park okay great film that i love basically every time somebody's typing in code in that movie like uh samuel jackson for instance he's talking out loud what he's typing right and then the the best computer thing in that movie uh 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 is somehow an audio cue, right? Yeah. Which wouldn't be a thing in real life. You would not do that, right? But like, uh, the even Steven, even Stevie Spielberg felt like, now you need to hear it to really retain it. Um, right. And this trope, by the way, continued in movies for a very long time. A very long time. And we'll talk about why in a bit. Um, 
honestly, I think it's that the filmmakers believed that uh, the audience doesn't want to read. You know, reading is fundamentally I not mean, a cinematic thing. That's what they believe. Well, and, and just sitting at a computer and doing stuff is so static visually. Right. Like there's just, you, you need to find some kind of bells and whistles to keep people entertained. At least that's the thinking. And everybody tried to solve it in different ways. That's right. They're called movies. Right? So they got to move. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and, and even if we animate the text in fun, interesting ways, a thing this movie tried, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, it isn't really until we all culturally embrace text messaging that we start to really embrace text on screen as a cinematic beat without needing a supplementation. And you'll notice that it's like in the it's around the early to mid 2000s when we stop having people read out loud uh, the things they're typing. Even The Matrix does not show people typing words into the computer more than like a few times. It happens like a couple times, right? Even the Matrix itself in the movie, The Matrix, is not actual characters that are alphabetic. Like it's just yeah, purely that's, symbology. That's it, you know? It's it's kind of because everyone just jacks in. Right. In their, well, they're their, eliminating their text. Check. But even with, uh, what's his name? Dozer or... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the, It's Dozer. I <laughs> yeah, you got it's it. It's Dozer. He's uh, a guy. Yeah. The, the, the typer, he's like... He like looks into the code and he's like looking into the matrix and he's like typing right. stuff. And I'm like, where is that typing going? Right. Because like, is there a, a text field? Again, like, the internet is fundamentally text. Like right. at the right. at the core, that's what it is. It's it's alphabetic and numeric uh, characters. It's hypertext, <laughs> I'll have you know. Thank you. Uh thank, thank you. you. That's uh number two times you've uh, you've undermined thank me you. today. And uh <laughs> I will pay you back. <laughs> Good. Uh, okay, so we've talked about the soundscape. Now let's talk a little bit about the visual landscape. So um, this is one of the rare movies where fundamentally the visuals just less important than the sounds for for emotional purposes. Uh, that's almost you almost never see that in a movie, but except for some horror films, uh, this is a movie where you know how you feel primarily from the soundscape. Um, we do get inserts where we read stuff that we're supposed to retain, right? Like uh, you'll get keywords of a report or like keywords that she typed in, which has been a pretty like standard thing in movies for a pretty long time. Like, you know, for instance, right. when you, when somebody's reading a newspaper article in a movie and you're supposed to like find out what they read, you'll get like three words. Usually they're like the ones that matter or like a single yeah. phrase. And that's what you <clears throat> retain from it. Or any true crime. Yeah. Uh, intro ever. Yeah. yeah, we're still doing this one. Yeah, yeah, and we have to do that because nobody's going to read the article. Like I, you know, I get it. And why would we? That's insane, right? And uh, you have to find a way to make that cinematic. For my money, Fincher is one of the best at this, right? Like finding a creative way to show a keyword on screen. Um, so like, uh, the net is not different than than a lot of movies in that regard. It will show you keywords in the computer interface so that you can retain the information. But that's not typically what creates our emotional response. Um, the emotional response is created more by how it's presented than what the information is, right? So it's a lot more about technique than information here um, because the filmmaker does not expect you to retain what you read, right? So uh, because I think the filmmaker knows we don't really understand computers. So you don't need to understand what this is. You just need to know how you feel about it, okay? So here's how we're doing that. The fundamental technique that the the 
director is doing is actually zooms, which are not a fancy technique. <laughs> Uh, but he uses zooms pretty liberally and pretty uh, creatively, I guess I'll say, to create uh, the feeling of something nefarious going on. Um, whereas most of the filmmaking in the film that's outside of the computer, pretty uh, standard brands, right? Did you notice mm-hmm. a single shot that was uh, that was compelling creatively outside of a computer in this movie? There's some compound shots, but more or less it's just like, you know, dolly for suspense, static, cut, cut, cut. A lot of sequence. extreme close-ups. Yep. There were just a yeah. lot of close-ups on Sandra Bullock's mouth. Yeah, for boy. No real reason. Yeah, and a boy. lot of low angle shots. He seems very fond of He those. likes this. I would say this the cinematic language in this film is a little bit dated at this point. Like the movie actually feels like it should have been made in like the late eighties. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. except for the computer stuff. The computer stuff is actually a little bit more progressive. Um, anytime we're on a computer screen, there is like pretty, pretty wild, uh, like pans and zooms and uh, screen right. tearing and also like fragmented editing uh, stuff that you don't see elsewhere in the film that much. Um, and you'll notice like specifically whenever we get close to the truth of this gatekeepers conspiracy, um, the, the editing gets really fractured. Like we'll see doubles of images sometimes. Uh, or like slight zo- like slight resizes that are like, oh, did I just see that? Um, which is kind of what you might call a visual unreality, right? Like the fabric of reality is starting to kind of get torn apart. And there's a kind of visual portal we're entering here, right? To match the actual portal in the computer. And that's the language he's creating. Um, yeah, I saw it that way. Yeah, sometimes he'll use zooms that are just for emphasis, which is a thing you'll see in movies a lot. Stuff like we'll get a little heightening zoom on unauthorized access, you know, or like file sent. You know, we'll get a little zoom, so it's like underlining the the beat here. Um, sometimes you'll get Sandra Bullock's uh, face, like you'll get zooms on her face every time we see her identity being changed or misread. In the movie, like there's a little zoom and maybe a match cut to her in real life. So you get that like, oh, God, it's not really her. Right. Uh, an <laughs> obvious feeling, but it works. You know, it's uh, it's not yeah. fancy, but it works. Um, sometimes in the course of the movie, they'll have zooms that are like basically uh, like surprise revelations. You know, uh, like right. the, the, and yeah. again, that's pretty standard in movies. Uh, the one that really stood out to me is like when her contractor guy, who, by the way, kind of hits on her. Uh, like just crashes his plane into that tower, like you know, the night before they're supposed to meet. Uh, there's like a there's a really wacky zoom where he realizes, oh god, tower. Uh, that you know, it's just I think <laughs> marrying the tension of the computer stuff with the outside of the computer stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, because you, <laughs> not you're talking about not Ed Bagley Jr. Yes, right? I'm talking. Yes, the guy who's in Oh Brother Where Art Thou, Mr. Waltham, right? You know, in in Oh Brother Where Art Thou. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 which that movie, Abe, that's my favorite. I decided since you always ask me, that's that's your the one I decided. Oh, yeah, that's your answer, Abe. You got it. Hell yeah, yeah baby. I'm hey. living with it. Hey, buddy, I'm proud I'm gonna of you. I'm going to live with it. Uh, live it. I'm living with it. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so what I think the the point here is that Winkler is trying to create a unified cinematic language to a degree with the uh, the non computer world and the computer world, so that it still feels like we're in the same movie. But ultimately, the language is meant to serve the computer interfaces because that's the stuff he feels he needs to spice up. 
um, and he does things more artfully there. Um, another interesting aspect of the zoom, and this may seem really obvious, but it's not that obvious when you think about it compared to how every other uh, film element is is photographed. The zooms create basically partial partial screen pieces. We don't actually see the entirety of most of what we're looking at on the computer. We're sort of just seeing fragments of the screen, um, which is to say that we don't care about rendering the entire computer interface for the most part. Even if they made one, it's really more done in this impressionistic way. Like you get the feeling of that screen more than what that screen was supposed to be. Um, and by isolating a static image or an icon, um, it actually makes it easier for us to understand what's happening emotionally than if you gave us the entire computer screen itself. Right. Um, yeah. It's quicker and somehow creates better comprehension. And I think that was fairly insightful of him to know that and to, to do stuff that way. Because that wasn't that standard in movies up to this point, you know. Um, like, I, and I, I didn't do a huge survey of all movies with computers in it, but this felt fairly, uh, fairly unique as an impressionistic technique. Um, At least in the mainstream, yeah. too. <clears throat> yeah, I think you mentioned off, Mike. You mentioned like sneakers, but even that is like more tech in general. Mm -hmm. It does some of these this vibe, but this is really. How do you make the screens captivating? Right, because uh, it's so present in the movie. That's right, and there's, I and mean, I think you're right. there's less of it than we all remember, but there's enough of it, and it's so load bearing that he's got to do something to create some mm -hmm. sense of tension. So another thing that he does, and it's very Spielbergian, is he'll pan from one word or concept to another on a screen, sort of like the reading motion, but it's Spielbergian in that it actually marries two pieces of, of information together and creates a new, what you might call, cathartic feeling, right? Like, like oh, file access, file sent. Oh, right? Like, he does that stuff a lot, which is, you know, very mm -hmm. dumb, but it's a little bit of a game of peekaboo, right? Like, sort of like he hides the feeling that you're looking for. There it is. Oh, that's the feeling, right? And it's uh, right. It, it makes the computer screen form feel more engaging in a very dumb, simple way. There's like a little emotional arc to every screen just because he adds a pan. Um, another thing that happens, and this is where uh, it really will delight the 2023 audience that's going to go back and rewatch this, uh, is they create a lot of graphics and assets that are dumb, uh, and impossible to create tension uh, and just sort of assume you don't know anything about computers. You won't know this is dumb. Uh, things that like basically like create unnecessary animations or reveals that would slow down right. the process of how a computer works. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, uh, and it's hilarious. It's, all of them are great, but they are effective enough that we accept them. Right. Like I guarantee you, other than like, I don't know, a few really, really competent computer users, most people in the movie theater didn't realize how silly a lot of this was. You know, they're not nudging each other in the aisles like, did you see that? That would never happen in a real password keychain. You know, like that doesn't happen. Um, so again, just reminding you the basic, the basic conceit here. Even at this point in history, computers are constantly speeding up the process of, of doing the action that you've asked it to do by clicking on or, or typing in the thing, right? So like we've eliminated load screens as much as possible. We're always looking to eliminate load screens and animations, okay? So again, because movies need to create tension, they got to move backwards and create more loading screens and mysterious beats and stuff, which is partially why you see so many status bars in movies. Way more status mm -hmm. bars in movies than you see in real life, okay? And uh, 
every single movie with a computer in it is unafraid to lean on the status bar to create tension. Okay, like uh, a movie that was made a year later, which is barely even a computer movie at all, Mission Impossible, basically created three status bars in the in the uh, in the most famous oh, sequence, yeah. right? Like the knock list stuff. There's the actual downloading status bar. There's the decibel levels, and then there's the copy status and the temperature gauge. All of that is basically three status bars uh, to create tension in this knock list sequence. So movies are like not afraid, man. They'll they'll put a status bar up. Okay, so like the net does it in uh, I think a a kind a kind of more artful way. Um, it first of all it creates pop up screens all the time. And none of them are logically motivated. They're basically there to create a sense of obscuring facts or like new information, right? Like uh, in a again a very peekaboo way, right? Uh, certainly pop ups are a thing in computers, but they've never been a thing like they are in the net, right? They're ridiculous, okay? Uh, particularly when there's like a loading animation or something, the pop up screen is there to obscure things we actually want to see, okay? Um, the gatekeeper's website is probably my favorite version of this, right? Every time she clicks into the gatekeeper's things, 50,000 pop-ups spring up, right? Like there's so many, right, yeah. there's absurd it's animations that are like, what, what is the backend ver- what, what backend function is this serving in the computer? Right. Um, <laughs> and every time she clicks on it, you know, you get gibberish and sci-fi sound effects, right? Uh, so, and that's of course to tell us we're entering a forbidden world. Right. And so there's all these like, uh, what you might call naughty computer animations, right? Because even Dead at that point, nits. yeah, even at that point, I feel like pop-up windows were seen as like, ugh, you know, like something like you've t- you've clicked on something you shouldn't, right? And so they do a lot of yeah. it here. Um, yeah, and this is basically anytime Angela's information is artificially changed, you get some sense of the pop-up window and the obscuring thing. Um, another thing the net does that's my favorite thing when you really think about it is they have really strange like melting animations and like dissolves between screens. Oh yeah, for yeah. when <laughs> something is getting deleted yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah, which this has happened for like we've done this oh, in yeah. movies. A Absolutely. Lot. Like any tech movie, especially in the nineties and even early two thousands, it was always like when you are it's kinda like how. Yeah. You know, it goes back to 2001 right. where it's like his speech changes. It's like, that's not how computers yeah, yeah. work. You pull Why out the hard would drive, that it's happen? done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's because it's, I think it's for the same reason. It's it's to manufacture in the way that movies do uh, some kind of drama. It's all Wizard of Oz, man. Like, like I, I don't want to like stake my like flag on this hill forever, but like the the, yeah, the Wicked Witch of the West melting is like a trope <laughs> that we have recreated in so many places because it just reads for people as like, oh, the bad thing is going away. It's melting, you know? Uh, and like they do that or like, or it's the opposite effect. Like the melting means like, you know, the status quo is like falling apart. Like that fundamental thing has been overdone in computers and it's done so well here. And it's my favorite thing. Um, you see it with passwords all the time, right? You even see like melts between screens where it's like, you know, the screen was like a layer of ice over the truth. <laughs> the, the tr- <laughs> That's my <laughs> the favorite. truth surface. Yeah. Uh, that is so it's good. so good, right? Or like he'll create like Winkler will create tension by making the scroll with chat entries go slower than it should. So you're like kind of waiting to see what Cyber Bob's gonna say, right? Like he just slows down processes. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And this may be like a really obvious thing, but and every movie does it. Um, the net also creates graphics for things that don't need graphics. <laughs> so like, right. uh, like for instance, the pizza site that you mentioned, uh, <laughs> they show you what happens to your pizza, everything that you click. Right now, again, mm-hmm. like that could that could be a real website. Like it's not uh, it's not offensive, but that principle is used all the time in this movie at, in places. It's dominoes, baby. Yeah. I want to know that Pierre's that's right. got me covered. That's right. <laughs> you know? So like they that's sort of like in a way them planting this concept and then they pay it off like all throughout the movie in ridiculous ways. Here's an example. Xander Bullock clicks into the fire safety interface in that movie when she breaks in. And for no reason, there's a 3D rendering of the building and like the fire safety systems mm-hmm. in every floor <laughs> so that you know, oh, yeah. man, this is going to really affect a lot of people. They got to go down a lot of stairs. Right? That's why it's there. It's a, it's a Unix system. Yeah. <laughs> I know this. You know? It's got to be like a pyramid yeah. that you like run yeah. up and like grab the thing yeah. from like grab a diamond and then say like execute that's fire. right like, like <laughs> it know? would have made sense if there was a floor plan or something which there is she used the floor plan but the animated building is really there's no function for it um but it's but it <clears throat> serves the same emotional purpose that as you just said every graphic in jurassic park serves right but right i also love that there's like a like it, it swoops around. Oh yeah, like it's a helicopter yeah, yeah. shot of the building. Yeah. That's just some programmer put so much work yeah. into that. It's so great. I mean, yeah, but again, that's at the behest of a director who feels that we actually need to see the impact of this decision to understand it. That's that's what he's right. saying is like you need to see the whole building to understand how the fire alarm will impact everyone in this scene, and the only way to do that is by creating this model here. You know, yeah. and I think and you're that's, right. He's not wrong. Yeah, no, he's that. not wrong. That's the genius of Jurassic Park, is that Jurassic Park has the premise of this is an advanced computer system that's beyond what computers can do. So they get away with a lot of this visualization shit and you don't ask any questions about it. You know, this right. movie has the unfortunate uh, but also auspicious duty to represent how computers actually work and can't right. uh because they it would be really boring to watch the actual fire safety website, you know. That would be a list of things that could happen, and nobody wants to read that, so they don't. You're right. Um, okay, so just to wrap things up real quick, um, in general, uh, there is a lot of great supporting film work to enhance the computer cinematic language, right? So, like, he does use long lenses a lot. Um, he does a lot of close ups in this movie. And he's very frontal on on Sandra Bullock as much as he can be. So like whenever she's at the computer, we're getting really tight close-ups of her. And then as Jessica said, we're also just like, it's lip time. Like, let's just see mouth. Uh, and I don't know what I that's hate, about. I hate those shots so much. Yeah. I just hate that that shot always yeah. in all movies forever. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, the mouse stuff. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> there, I, it makes me think of like one or two times I liked it in a movie. Like, have you ever seen Mulholland Drive? Sure. Okay, Mulholland Drive has a guy on a phone that's like call like who you don't know who he is and he calls uh I want to say it's the director in that film, I don't know. Uh and they have like a close up of his mouth and it's like from the side and for some reason that one was like yeah yeah yeah, that's what these shots should always be. Hers are baffling. Like they're totally unmotivated. Yeah, yeah that's right. I mean they're they're motivated by something that isn't the movie. Uh, yeah. I mean that's it, right? Like that's a that's the equivalent of a foot fetish, and it's a bummer. 
Oh, Winkler. <laughs> well, whatever. You know, like you uh, saucy dog. Yeah, and that's what it is. If you take those out, it though, in general, he's creating a pretty intimate cinematic language with her that helps us to stay in her point of view for the computer stuff. Like it's, you know, very basic framing in that way. Um, also, sometimes they'll give us legitimate POV shots. I think you don't see movies that often, right? Like we'll cut from her to her, act- her actual point of view. Um, a-, a lot of times that's to help us sort of get grounded or stay grounded in her point of view in stuff that's not computer based. Like for instance, when the planes get shut down at her, uh, I think this is like in the first act of the movie when she's supposed to take a plane to the Bahamas or wherever she goes. And like, there's a delay, right? And so for whatever reason, the director's like, let's go back to her point of view there so that we don't get too far away from how she's feeling about it. And I think that's like, you know, though basic, pretty good supporting cinematic language keeps us with her. We rarely leave her point of view in any, uh, in any way. And it kind of keeps the zoom and partial screen language feeling like authentic to the rest of the film. Like it marries those two things. Um, so, you know, that stuff is cool. Uh, also the film. So like, I think the, the, the filmmaker is seasoned enough to understand that, uh, they needed to go a little while with the computer screens, but if they don't do this other marrying stuff, the film will feel disjointed. And mostly it doesn't, you know, mostly it doesn't. And again, it's only his third film. So like, you know, you got to give it to him for being at least somewhat competent. Um, Certainly the screenplay is a little bit hokey. Certainly the mouth shots are pretty rough, but I will say, I guess, I guess I'm sort of leaning on, I think Erwin Erwin Winkler is a pretty competent director uh, with basic cinema technology in that he was able to make these computer screens functional in a way that did not bump for the audience. Most like mostly. And uh, it may be hilarious by today's standards, but that was actually a pretty big challenge in 1995. And it was cool to see that he was up for it. Uh, and that is my yeah. sode. Yeah, good. Well done. Thank you you Very actually nice. convinced me that like uh, the net is is there's value <laughs> in the <laughs> that net. I didn't waste two hours of my time. Other than uh, Sandra Bullock's uh, performance, she's, she's so good, good in this. Good. Actually, she carries it in a way that I was like, that's not going to work, you know. But she does. I was watching. Um, uh, the, by the way, her counterpart Jack Devlin uh, is like. He doesn't really do it for me in this movie. Um, no. Yeah. And I like him in a lot of other stuff, but this, I think he was miscast. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, he seemed. He just didn't seem like he'd really be in the world he's in here. Uh, so, but, but interestingly enough, I probably would have said the same about Sandra Bullock until I saw her performance here. Like, she's actually very internal in a very subtle way. Like, she's internal in a way that's not doing the affect of I'm. I'm an isolated. Uh, sort of agoraphobic type person, but you see all the nuances mm. of it in her performance the whole way through the film. And it's great. It's really good. Um, I was very impressed with her this time around. <clears throat> yeah. But uh, just back to your theory. Mm. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right about like kind of isolating what makes what, what's what makes the drama or what makes the tension, I should say uh, like, how do you put it on screen? Whereas there was like computers are portals to, you know, a, a different kind of interface. And that is something that like the audience, the zeitgeist was not ready for um, in 1995. Didn't even know what it was separated those things mentally. 
and then here comes the net and it's like okay so this is how we kind of dramatize and i think that's that's actually the genius of those like all computer found footage movies that have become a genre in the last like 10 years right so like those films have left the trepidation about the internet and computer interfaces behind and have embraced the immediacy of computer interfaces Mm -hmm. and yeah i mean i think of searching yeah that's uh, right searching where it's like completely done uh it's like the that's this to its logical conclusion this yeah and it's also Uh more like that's what happens when you swim completely with the grain instead of against it like the net is doing you know like the net decided to like falsify what computers are to create tension and searching has like is trying to make the computers as transparent as possible so that we can have real movie tension within these given parameters. And that's kind of like, it's fun to see them as sort of uh, opposite ends of that spectrum, you know, cause we're never going to yeah, stop it, seeing it. It's really interesting just on a, on a, on a filmmaking level, like as what the director was thinking of, because the more he dove into this style of, of stylizing the computers, essentially the farther he got away from it being socially relevant. Yep. Like the right. mo- the movie doesn't matter and it doesn't say anything important and he was willing to sacrifice that to make the experience of the movie work better. Interesting. Which is odd. That's an odd tension. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it he is. knows. I think he knows enough about what makes a movie work to value that first. Like I th- I think that's pretty clear in his body of work is that he understands mechanically what a movie needs yeah. to be. Uh, and I, I don't know. I admire that because, like, we all, we all of us, uh, have some love affair with the auteur directors. Not necessarily because they're auteurs, but because they make, you know, that brand of filmmaking, which is adventurous and creating new things and breaking boundaries, is romantic to us in some ways as directors. But I think that there's something, and this show tends to go back to this a lot. Uh, there's something cool about a journeyman functionary director who like just understands how the timepiece works enough to handle this one problem uniquely, you know, cause that's, that's what being a craftsman really is, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. <clears throat> all for the sake of entertainment, right? Because you, <laughs> there's a, there's a moment where you have to kind of admit to yourself, like where, are, where are you as a director? Right. Uh, right. Are you, are you, how much of a con man are you? How <laughs> yeah. much do you want to let people <laughs> right. know you're a con man? Because yeah. you are, yeah. you are, you're a little thief. Yeah. And an entertainer. That's right. That's your favorite saying, too. You got to, what is it? Lie, rob, and steal to tell the truth? Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Abe says. Or no. Well, if you're talking about the Godard quote. Is it a Godard quote? Okay. uh, Great. I think Godard said, like, cinema, because, of course, he he would say stuff like this. He would say, like, cinema is, like, truth 24 frames a second. You lie, cheat, and steal to tell the truth. You know, like, that kind of thing. I did not know Um, that was from Godard. You could have just said it was from Abe, and I would have believed it forever. Yeah, you really missed out on credit there. (laughs) Damn. I don't even know if he said it. I take it back. (laughs) I I said it. I, Abe Godard, said it. Uh, I said it. Well, thanks for hearing me out, y'all. Uh, talking about the yeah. computers and the net, I've been de- I've been like debating doing this episode for like eight months. So now I really am out of ideas, Abe. <laughs> now, now I'm in real <laughs> no, trouble. No, no, you're like I don't even fucking know what next I'm episode. That's why you be, brought man. me here. I'm here to replace right. you. Actually, we we haven't wanted to tell you. That's what the slow <laughs> yeah. slow takeover is mm. occurring. Yeah. No, I I actually want to ask you because now we have like kind of a table of directors yeah. instead of just like me staring at. Adam, 
which is not a table. That's, that's just it's been you know, a t- well, what some I do. tables that works at some tables. It does work on some tables, but it's a creepy table that no one wants we've to been, join. But now you're here, Jessica. We've been creeps. Yeah, yeah we've been creeps. <laughs> now it's more of a booth. <laughs> I want to ask you because there was some stuff you were kind of gravitating towards. So we got this Winkler, Winkler yeah. thing, which is that make the drama, put it in the actual like, uh, put it in the actual computer screen. Uh, and do whatever you need to do in order to make it like kind of tense or whatever the beat needs. And then you were also mentioning like the more modernized versions of it and the way we went away from stuff and we kind of came back to some of that stuff. Like you mentioned uh, loading, not loading screens, but like status bars. And also you mentioned like, I think Sherlock and like the the texts popping up and stuff like that. Uh, like when people are sending and receiving texts, which has kind of come become a mainstay of just how we do that now. What is there left for us to conquer in terms of do we is it any is a problem anymore? Our do we worry about our audiences? Do we worry about our audiences being slowed down by computer screens? Do we need to approach it differently? Do we have to have any mentality? that the net did and the the hesitance that it had about this problem that it had to create a solution for it do you if you uh when you approach your films or if you were to approach a film that was like a techno based you know like thriller or whatever would you consider that is that something that you're worried about your audience is receiving um i mean i think it's definitely easier just because a a large portion of the audience is computer literate now. I mean, everybody has a computer. And and also, I think it's less of a problem just because now everything is on your phone and you're less likely to be sitting at a laptop, which is such a static position. Mm-hmm. You know, in even in techno-based movies, like, I feel like they've branched more into, in the last few years, showing things in other ways and finding more dynamic ways of getting getting computer stuff across. Like, you'll notice in stuff like, I don't know why this is coming to mine and this is still a few years ago but like in the national treasure movies there's a hacker character and anything he's doing is always juxtaposed with action elements in the uh, whatever Mm. the other characters are doing Mm. so like i don't know i think we've largely figured it out and now we're stuck on cell phones and we still we still are experimenting with what works the best there i I think there's always going to be an element of trying to do it impressionistically like i think winkler was winkler was wise there in that he understood it's not about getting all the information. It's about getting the gist of it. And like something that I'm learning from like the films of like uncut gems, you know, like the Safdie brothers is that you actually can overwhelm the audience in a way that allows them to retain more information than we think. Like the Safdies are great at that. They do it in the soundscape by the way. But like, I think you can create in the way that phones create multiple visual stimuli and people will be able to retain impressionistically pieces of it. And as long as you're right about what pieces they have to retain, uh, you can actually get away with a lot, right? Like I think house of cards slash Sherlock showed us that we don't need to hear text. We can read them and it's good and it works because you see them in the context of the drama that's happening and they feel like a beat. So like all yeah. that's all that's to say like I think you could have a Twitter feed being part of a movie and like just constantly interjecting it into the frame as long as we're supposed to digest it impressionistically and the frame is built around its existence. If those two things are true, then you know we still are open for business on a lot of technology we haven't figured out. But AI, Abe, 
AI, though. <laughs> AI. Oh, well, I mean, you know, virtuosity, baby. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I don't know. That's, they nailed it. We don't, we don't need an update on AI. Nothing will happen in the future with AI that will deem a new movie. <laughs> I'm so glad to hear That's that. I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. I'm good. Yeah. Oh, good. I can cross those projects off my list then. Great. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's only that four been screenplays. Covered. Yeah. 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 Society will not change its opinion on AI anytime soon. Few, uh, few, few, few. I believe. Yeah. No, that's a that's interesting. I think that's an interesting place to kind of like settle it in your mind. The the idea of like, uh, well, our audience is now kind of is is privy to it. Uh, it's a part of their normal commonplace life, so it doesn't seem undramatic or unfulfilling to them i think that that is true i would bring up that i do think that there is something lost um in the concept that it is like jessica mentioned the staticness of a lot of like sitting down or even using a cell phone uh or like a smartphone like that activity locks you into a physicality yeah that's true Uh, yeah, and i do think that just because people are familiar with it doesn't necessarily mean that it is easier to make dramatic. So for films that are still like, you know, thrillers or, you know, like, you know, if we're watching a neo-noir or something like that, that really lives and dies based off like the internal pacing of some of these scenes. I think that the manufacturer method is still alive and well. Uh, It's just interesting to think about because I think audience, I think you are right that the impulses that audiences can and will be fine with just shots of, you know, people interacting with computers. Yeah, to a degree. But, I mean, like, not entirely. Yeah. There's a burgeoning art form in learning how to externalize phone face. You know, like, like, uh, and what I mean by that is, like, we're all on our phones, right? Like, reading Twitter, like, you know, chatting with our friends. And, like, even when we're telling them that we're laughing out loud, very rarely is that actually happening. Or any emotion right. whatsoever is happening on our face, right? We might be feeling them, <clears throat> right. but we're not expressing them. And there's a kind of uh, there's a kind of in between art form that actors are learning how to do uh, t- to some degree successfully that feels the way that we act with phones, but isn't the way that we act with phones. Like it's right, it's yeah. a reality of how we feel we look when we're on the phone. Mm-hmm. Like uh, in between, yeah, and like yeah. that, I would say that is still that's still a growing expression of art of of acting, like there's still new ways to make that emotionally interesting that are unique to that mm-hmm. moment. Um, but you'd have to write to it and direct to it. And then somebody has to really contemplate how to perform it well. Um, so I mean, I, th- that would be an interesting area that nobody talks about. Just sort of like, how do you act emotions with the phone as an experience when so many of us get big news on the phone now? Mom died. Mm-hmm. You get a text. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you have cancer from your doctor. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we're all starting to get big moments on computers and are used to sort well, if of. If you go to the Abe Epperson School of Acting, mm-hmm. I tell all my actors bigger and faster when dealing with the phone. <laughs> more you of know? it. Act more. 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 You acting. have to compensate yeah, you see, yeah. for the fact That's that right. the phone is giving you nothing. That's right. Yeah. Abe, uh, Abe, act- Abe Epperson's acting school. Act more. Act more, and I also run a cinema cinema uh, photography school where it's light more. Uh, 
That's a very important school. Thank you. Extra Thank lights you. for all episodes. That's what you call your students. <laughs> that's what you got. Episodes. Yeah, like they each pay me eighteen hundred dollars a day. <laughs> they give them an extra light for it. Yeah, uh, I like well, it. I like the grifts that we've created. <laughs> yeah, I'm a grifter. We're all yeah. grifters. That's you're, true. you're you work in the arts, motherfucker. Welcome right. to the welcome to the party. <laughs> uh, this is all very. Good. <laughs> I just <laughs> wanted you to make. I just wanted on on record that yeah, I thought we're, that we're... this was really well put together. Oh, thank you. And it did make me think about like when you are, you know, when when we we make fun of hacking all the time in the zeitgeist. It's a meme, you know. But it's true that it is still, regardless of you know 1995 or 2005 or 2023. Uh, it's still a problem that directors have to navigate. You you still have in to some fashion. You have to make a shot list of the computer stuff, and like in his case, he's really shooting screens too. They're yeah. not graphics put on in post. Like he's shooting computer screens, so you you do have to decide how am I going to see it, and uh, that's as much directing the eye and the and the heart as any other piece. Uh, right, you know, right. and so. I don't know something that that uh, occurred to me. I'm so glad you guys are both here, uh, and really enjoyed sharing this. Hey, Jessica, you're a director. Where can we see some of your stuff? Uh, uh, well, let's see. I have a movie on VOD on Amazon and iTunes and Apple called What Lies West. Uh, that's a very sweet coming of age story about two girls hiking across California. That's, that's it. Great. That's all I've got. For now, you've done this, Just you've done this p- before, haven't you? Uh, yeah, a few times. <laughs> a few times. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. And you can find uh, you can find you know this guy and and me, you know, patreoncom smallbeans. We got a bunch of uh, series, I believe you can call them yeah. podcasts. You can call them series. Yeah. That you, uh, you, if you're on the free feed, you're missing out. Uh, there's some cool stuff on the Patreon. Uh, new shows, including the news, the our newest show, uh, Inside Dads, where we talk about the concept of the dad movie, Spielboys, Star Trek: The Next Futurama, mm. etc. Uh, I'll show you mine if you show me yours. Bonus episodes, etc., etc. We got a multiverse podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, if you really like my voice and you're just like, but what about more Adam-specific stuff? You can check out my video game podcast, One Upsmanship. It's uh, not as much bullshit as Abe said, but you can yeah. find it. <laughs> you can find it. It's out that's there. right. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> so that that's another one in the can for Direct to Peace Theater. Whoa. What is how do we how do we end this show? Do we do usually we it's synchronized phrase? screaming? Don't we scream for? <laughs> isn't that what it is? You have to count that, down from three first, right? You have to and count down from scream. three, and then you scream into then we oblivion. Scream. Yeah, the way uh, all films end. Yeah. <laughs> into the void. All right. Thanks for listening, y'all. Bye. This has been a Small Beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The Beans always have new ideas percolating, so make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash smallbeans. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash smallbeans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the Small Beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you.